Hello, everybody. My name is Daniel Prince, and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten podcast. And on this episode, we have your boy, CK Snarks from Bitcoin Magazine. And from originally his own podcast and a huge Bitcoin maximalist all round top, top young man. And I was lucky enough to run into CJ in Miami. So thank you again, mate, for everything that you are doing in the Bitcoin space, all of your work prior and during the Bitcoin Magazine and what's to come, which there's clearly some big news. You just couldn't tell us about it just yet. I'm looking forward to any announcements coming out very, very soon. So I hope you enjoy this one. Plebs, you know where to find CK on Twitter. And his handle is the start of the title of this show, as always. Before we get into the show, I'm sure CK wouldn't mind if I pointed out some wonderful Bitcoin-only companies that you can go and interact with and stack your sats with, because now is a very good time to start stacking some sats. I'm not sure if you noticed, but the price apparently has crashed. It's going to zero. Stack. Stack very, very quickly and use services, DCA services, such as swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten. That's going to get you a free 10 bucks. Those guys are in the US. Anybody listening across the pond can use them and they have an international service. So go check out swanbitten.com forward slash bitten and see if there is a service there for you. Across Europe, relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash bitten will get you started. DCA out of your pounds and euro fiat currency into Bitcoin with this excellent Swiss-based company. Bitcoin Reserve are also here serving customers across Europe and the UK. BitcoinReserve.com forward slash Bitten. And they have up to a thousand pounds a day flash service. You can stack on your card. Make uh, make use of this. It's one of the very few companies in the world, I think, that offers this service. But if you've got 50 grand or more to put on, they have a white glove service for you. So if that's you or your friends or your family, get them involved. Bitcoinreserve.com forward slash Bitten. Don't forget, you need to take control of these coins. Shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten is going to save you 5% on the Bitbox 02 hardware wallet. That's the Bitcoin only edition. If you are not self-custodying your Bitcoin, you are not doing it right. Get yourself a hardware wallet. Do your own research. Make sure you get the one that is great for you. Coincorner.com forward slash Bitten. Right, Danny? Have we got that referral code up and running yet? Let's hope so. Fingers crossed. If not, hit the link in the show notes. Great exchange based out of the Isle of Man serving all of Europe and the UK. There's no excuse to not be stacking sats, guys. You are covered now. BitcoinDay.io are running little meetups across the US. Make sure you check them out. There's some conferences coming up. Liberty in Our Lifetime, run by Peter Young and the Free Cities Foundation, 21 to 23 of October in Prague. Check out Consensus Network 
and ungovernable misfits. Links are in the show notes. You will not be sorry. Enjoy this one with CK. Hold up, hold up, hold up. I forgot to give a shout out to the Baltic Honey Badger Conference that is going on in Riga. Make sure you check this out. It's the first weekend of September. I will be there. So will many others. We look forward to seeing you. Now, let's do this one with CK. All right, we're recording. We, we're straight into it, CK, because we've got to be efficient with our time. You only got an hour. I know, man. It's uh, It's been tough carving out some time. We both have very busy and hectic schedules, and being on the opposite side of the world doesn't help, but uh, we're, we're getting one in uh, during the work day, so appreciate you uh, working with my schedule. No, appreciate you taking the time out. And Lauren, Lauren is here, and so for, for any new listeners uh, that don't know the... Uh, the, the flow of the show. Lauren has been asking the first Bitcoin question ever since she was nine. She's now 11. So you, you, you've learned a few things, right? Over the years. A few, a lot. All right. A lot. This is What's what up, like Lauren? Hey. What, what do you have? Nice, uh, for nice to meet you in person or virtually. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, my question is, uh... wait, English mind. Oh, you're in French mode at the moment, are you? Yeah, I forget. I forgot all my English words. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. What is it like to be uh, setting up a conference? Great question. So uh, for those who don't know, Bitcoin Magazine, uh, the company that I work for, we put on the Bitcoin 22 conference, uh, which is the biggest Bitcoin event in the world. Uh, 26,000 people at Bitcoin 22. I know... Uh, Daniel, you got to be there. It was a lot of craziness. And it, it's kind of crazy. It's when you're putting on a really big event of like that kind of scale and detail, uh, it's like this thing that doesn't really exist. And you have to like sell it, you have to talk about it, you have to like, try to like project what it is. And then all of a sudden, it just exists all at once. Uh, and it just it's happening. And uh, it's just a lot of craziness and uh, chaos. And Internally, uh, you know, pretty much things are going wrong the entire time. But externally, I think, you know, if you do a good job, if the attendees uh, can't tell that that is actually happening. But, you know, ultimately, it's just a million details, thousands of people that, you know, we're working with and uh, and, you know, working. We work, you know, anywhere from a year to nine months at a time just on one giant project, which is this event. So there's like 35 people uh, now who focus all their time on putting on one event a year. So uh, it's quite the project and uh, millions and millions of dollars are, are flowing through this event. So, uh, you know, when you hear about large startup fundraisers and stuff like that, you know, that's the scale that we're talking about with uh, the Bitcoin conference of Bitcoin 22. So I hope that answered your question, but it's a lot of craziness. It's uh, definitely not for the faint of heart, but uh, if you, you know, if you're into kind of throwing a massive giant wild party and getting a bunch of Bitcoiners together. Uh, it's definitely a once in a lifetime experience and I've been blessed. I've done it three times now. So uh, we're going for number four. So I must be a masochist, but that's a good English word there. But uh, yeah, that, that's my answer, Lauren. Wow. And Uncle Chad better have that one of like, those parties, those big parties, because I really want to go to one of those. Yeah, actually see him in person, or just like not and not like not big parties, like maybe just like person person, but you know, yeah, parties he's... will be cool because there's more Bitcoiners there. Yeah, and someone like CK will be behind the scenes planning it all. 
<laughs> yeah, so Lauren, are you going to come to Bitcoin 23? Hopefully, if I can this time. Yeah, we're, yeah, we, we, it's, it's, uh, it's in our sights for the whole family to come. Uh, it was, it was a lot easier and uh, cheaper to get to pay for, for one medical upgrade rather than six. So oh, <laughs> we, we hope, we hope along with all the other Euro maxis and plebs that, uh, that couldn't get out there, uh, that, uh, you know, restrictions are changed uh, between now and are you, are you shooting for April again? Is that the idea? So, uh, it's too early for me to leak that information. Um, I think that the schedule will be very accommodative and I am praying to the powers that be and our fiat overlords that uh, travel restrictions change. Uh, but soon to be announced, I think uh, Bitcoin Magazine and the Bitcoin Conference are working out something interesting for some of the international folks. So uh, a lot to announce that I can't actually talk about, but I'm just going to tease it on your show. So just know that if you listen to Once Bitten, that's where the alpha is. That's for sure. <laughs> now, now I want to know. Now I want to know. All right, Lauren, do you have any other questions? Why did you decide to work at the Bitcoin conference? Like what just wanted you to do something like that? Or did you already answer that so, question? Yeah, no, it's so much fate. So uh, I'll, I guess I'll talk about my Bitcoin story a little bit. In 2017, there was a, a bull run in the Bitcoin market. Prices went up to 20,000. And I actually, I that's when I first heard about Bitcoin. It was like fall of 2017. Just after the, the Bitcoin cash hard fork, so everyone who was there before got free money effectively, and a lot of people got a bunch of Bitcoin out of it. I, I missed it by that much, but I, I, I kind of got interested in Bitcoin around that time in fall of 2017. And two weeks before Christmas, uh, I put in my two weeks at my tech job, and I was like, I don't have a plan, but I need to figure out how to work in the Bitcoin industry. So I put in my... my my, I quit. I said, hey, I'm quitting in two weeks. It's called two weeks notice uh, in the US. Uh, but you give them your two weeks notice, you say you're quitting. I think you have to give way more notice in Europe. You have to give like six, like, you know, for some places like three months, six months, something like that. But, um, you know, I told them I was quitting. And if you actually look at the Bitcoin chart, I, I quit within like three days of the top. So I'm sure all my coworkers were laughing at me uh, because the price just slid after I left the, the company. But uh, I went to a Bitcoin conference. It was more of a uh, an altcoin conference, if you will. But at the time, it wasn't the Bitcoin only industry was still very, very new and nascent. Um, but I went to this this conference, and my company was there, uh, BTC Inc. Uh, the old CRO was there. His name was Bryce. Shook his hand. I said, "Hey, I live in San Francisco. I like Bitcoin, and uh, and I do sales." He gave me his card. Two and a half weeks later, I had a job and I was doing event sales at the time. We were doing conferences called distributed. So they're more like, you know, crypto conferences. But uh, in 2019, my company pretty much said, hey, we're done with crypto. We're going to we have Bitcoin magazine. We're going to focus on Bitcoin only. And we started the Bitcoin 2019 conference. So, uh, you know, I've been there since the beginning of the Bitcoin conference uh, at Bitcoin magazine and uh, now I lead things up, you know, doing products across Bitcoin Magazine and the conference. So uh, I'm, I'm pretty heavily involved across everything at Bitcoin Magazine and uh, very lucky to be at a company that is now a leading Bitcoin only company. I've always been a Bitcoiner. I, I went Bitcoin only after like three months being in the space, but 
Uh, it took a lot longer for, for BTC Inc. to go Bitcoin only, but I just feel lucky that, you know, I was at a company, it was a crypto company. It became a Bitcoin only company. I, I have my dream job uh, and it's a blessing. It really is. Wow, that's that's crazy. And he's a podcaster, CK. You you, you missed that out. When, when did you start your, your CK Snarks podcast? That was your own thing, right? Yeah, so... Uh, I, I, w- I was working at BTC Inc. doing conference sales, uh, and I was doing a podcast called POV Crypto, which is debating Bitcoin and Ethereum with uh, a pretty big name in the ETH space, David Hoffman. But at the time, we were just both getting into the industry, and uh, it was by doing that podcast that I actually got became in charge of Bitcoin Magazine's podcast. And then ultimately, uh, you know, now I, I lead, you know, all, kind of all the, the media products at Bitcoin Magazine. Uh, so, you know, again, I just wanted uh, to debate with my friend from college uh, and it, it just worked out. I remember listening to the pod. Uh, mate, I, I do the same thing. You've got a clicky pen in your hand, haven't you? Because I, I keep hearing something click. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll stop that. I'll stop that. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I don't have clicky pens anywhere around me anymore. Uh, right. Okay. Lauren, are you done? Yeah. I, think yeah. I don't think I have any more questions. All right. Cool. Would you want to say good night? Anyways. Yeah. Thank you. Bye. Good night. I'm going to bring nice you. Nice meeting you. Yeah. Bye. That's right. Yeah. The beer is in the door, in the, in the uh, door of the fridge. It's, uh, it's West, beer time uh, over here. There you go. Oh, I know. I, I was thinking about getting a beer myself and then I had to restrain. We're doing, uh, so I, I help launch the Bay Area Bitcoiners meetup, uh, and I exclusively go to the SF Bitcoiners meetup of those. And uh, my favorite one is every other Wednesday we 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 go drinking at a bar that's owned by a Bitcoiner. It's a great time. It's Aces Bar. Uh, so I'm actually leaving San Francisco in two weeks to move to Nashville, and uh, this is going to be my last you know meetup as a resident. So I'm going to hold off. I'm going to be drinking beers. Uh, and maybe even taking shots uh, at Ace's bar tonight, but uh, yeah, it's 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 a, a little sad, but at the same time, it makes me so happy to see Bay Area Bitcoiners thriving. I think we do like on a monthly basis. There's like six or seven meetups, uh, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's a huge community, and there's like a board of people who are kind of managing it and putting it on. And you know, I'm pretty hands off at this point. I just show up and drink, but. Uh, it, it's, it's awesome just to see Bitcoin thriving. And I'm excited to get to Nashville where, you know, we've all heard about, you know, how much the Nashville Bitcoiners are killing it. Yeah. What, what's going on there? Fill us in on this side of the pond. The Euro plebs might not be aware. What, it's, we, we, you know, Austin steals all the limelight. Uh, obviously, uh, Miami gets uh, a lot of mentions. Florida, um, in, uh, you know, on a broader scale. What's going down in Nashville? Well, I, I was actually explicitly told to not talk about it so much. So um, let's just say it's the best kept secret in in Bitcoin in terms of uh, a Bitcoin city. Uh, but Austin definitely gets the limelight. But, you know, I, I think uh, Nashville is low key where it's at. All right. There you go, plebs. There's another flag been planted in the sand. Uh, it, that's amazing. So, so, so many... Se- I'm dropping so many like secretive things on the on the podcast, and I'm not giving too many details. <laughs> so I apologize. I, apologize. I hope you don't. I hope you don't get pulled up for any of this stuff. Uh, what was your tech job that you you mentioned before we uh, before we talk about like uh, reflections on uh, Bitcoin 2022? I always like to know 
what people were doing in Fiatland. And I think the plebs really get a kick out of that. Yeah. So I've told this story a bunch, but yeah, my pretty much all my experience prior to Bitcoin magazine was just sales. So uh, in college, I sold uh, like, you know, home upgrades. And then, uh, and then after that, I went into like selling networking equipment and servers and stuff like that for a hardware distribution company in Southern California. And then I jumped over to doing software sales because that paid a lot more. And I moved to Silicon Valley, which is why I'm here in San Francisco. And yeah, I uh, was doing mobile AB testing, doing sales, doing that. And then actually right before getting into Bitcoin, I was working for a company that was pretty much like a surveillance marketing company. So not something I'm super proud of, but you know, I was there for about a year and a half. It felt icky. I really hated it. I really just went there for the money. And I, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just, uh, it, was, it was a tough gig to be at. There's some really good people, made a lot of good friends there. But uh, beyond that, it was just not, not the right company. And it was an easy decision to quit, to be honest. Uh, I was so passionate about Bitcoin. Uh, Bitcoin and <laughs> surveillance marketing are geometric opposites. And, you know, now I just feel so much more aligned and yeah, like honestly, my experience going from the fiat world to the Bitcoin world is like 10 X, you know, it's like, it's almost like a 10 X on your productivity. Cause when you're, you know, I, I was like an above average employee in fiat world, you know, uh, do doing a good enough job. You know, I, I would say, I, I like to think that I'm an in, like intelligent, resourceful person, but you know, sometimes I applied myself, sometimes I didn't that kind of thing. Uh, but getting into Bitcoin, it's just, complete alignment. And when you're just doing something that you're having fun doing and you're passionate about, uh, it's so much easier to spend the hours and put in the work and, and figure out the community. It's just it, like, honestly, one of the biggest things I noticed being in Bitcoin is that if you can network like a Bitcoiners network, and you just take that to any other industry, you'll be in the top 1% period. So like <laughs> the, the way that Bitcoiners network, the passion that Bitcoiners put into this space, it's, it's really incredible. And I feel the difference, you know, we're having two kind of sides of my career, the fiat career, and then now being in the Bitcoin side. Were you just at one of those like uh, kind of hatchet shops where there's just like make an extra 50 calls a day, you know, you, you, you do the stand up meetings on a Monday morning, what's your KPIs, who have you got in the funnel, all of this kind of bullshit? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, They're the just... worst. It is what it is. And to be honest, I use that skill set to get into Bitcoin. So I, I'm not like that mad about it, you know, and, you know, we've, we've helped a lot of young kids now who uh, work for BTC Inc and do conference sales and do other sales for Bitcoin magazine, um, you know, go from, you know, thinking about dropping out of college, hating their, their kind of fiat job to now they're taking the skill set that they have, they're applying it to the Bitcoin industry and they're activated, they're excited, they're making money. So um, I'm not mad about sales, but I, I definitely did not like working, working for surveillance tech companies and I love working for a Bitcoin company. <laughs> sales, it, it gets that bad word, doesn't it? It, it, that bad reputation. Uh, it's not that sales is a bad thing. It's, I find it's just the legacy practices are just despicable. Like the way that it's delivered, the way it's trained, like the way they expect, the way they run their employees into the ground. Um, and it's just all about... Um, well, always be closing like that classic line from Glengarry Glen Ross, where it's not about relationship building. It's all high time preference sales in, in the legacy fine, uh, in the financial system, the legacy world. Uh, there's, there's, there's no real kind of 
let's drill down on what this person needs. Can I solve their problem? And can I build a 10 year lasting relationship? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I think it's it's shortcuts because no one's actually no one cares about their industry and no one is doing real networking. So the the alternative to to being authentically a part of your industry and selling that way is smiling and dialing and spam emailing and all that kind of stuff. So um, again, like my experience moving into Bitcoin is like I was able to use my network to make sales. Like I was able to build trust and like it was more than just you know hawking a uh, you know, a contract and trying to have the longest, uh, you know, guaranteed time of payment, you know, and all this kind of different stuff. Like, it's just, uh, it's a completely different world. And again, uh, I, I'm happy to be in the Bitcoin overlay, you know, so I feel blessed. All right. <clears throat> Let's move on to the conference. What a belter. Uh, first time I'd managed to get across there. Uh, it was huge. There was so much kind of hanging on, um, on the event, especially after the success of uh, Bitcoin 21, all of the uh, the guys I know that went, they just loved it. They couldn't wait to get back. Um, there was a lot of hope pinned on this event as well that is going to be uh, as good as it turned out to be. First of all, be before we ask about your reflections, uh, I want to ask about one or two absolute freaking nightmare moments leading up you know, the last couple of days, there's always some huge fucking thing that goes wrong. Uh, I'm, I mean, I'll tee it up for you. Bukele had been billed for a long time uh, to be coming over. Uh, and then all of a sudden that wasn't happening. That must've been a huge kick in the balls for the team. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that was a tough one to swallow. I mean, at that point we had effectively, been setting up for the conference right so everyone is like in the weeds like setting up the perimeter getting the sponsorship set up getting this like all the activations set up setting up seats like briefing the team and then oh one of the headline speakers one of the most important headline speakers who's gonna you know kind of carry a strong weight in terms of uh, announcements is no longer going to be there a lot of speculation why uh the excuse being the that things are troubled in El Salvador in terms of gang activity. Um, and Bukele had been really focusing on that for several weeks leading up to that moment. And, uh, you know, what hit what he and his government, you know, had said is it was not appropriate for him to leave the city, you know, leave the country. Uh, if you kind of fast go backwards uh, to Bitcoin 21, he recorded himself making a presentation in Miami about El Salvador. So there was already a bad taste in a lot of El Salvadorians mouths that, at this conference last year, he announced something so pivotal about El Salvador in English to Americans or to an international audience, uh, you know, versus having this being a strictly El Salvadorian, you know, kind of conversation in Spanish to El Salvadorian people. So uh, I think that something like that, you know, may have been weighing on his mind and something that he took into consideration now that there was a situation that was very much happening on the streets of El Salvador for him to go back, like effectively leave the country to go to the same conference to talk about Bitcoin again, uh, I feel like may have been a poor political move. So that's, this is all speculation on my part, but on our end, we just have to deal with it. You know, we're trained to deal with the punches. 
Um, and it's about messaging and, and trying to inform people. And I think people understood, but obviously it was a huge disappointment. You know, that's something that, you know, could have been uh, a massive kind of gem or star uh, in this uh, amazingly successful event as it was with incredible people and announcements. But, uh, you know, having the person who has made Bitcoin legal tender in a country for the first time return and talk about it and uh, potentially push that conversation forward more would have been incredible. Yeah, for sure. You said setting up seats. Did you guys have to do that or did a conference uh, convention center do that for you? Because that's a hell of a lot of seats. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you another story. So uh, <laughs> right before, right before uh, the, you know, the night leading up to the first uh, day, which is like our industry day uh, of the event, uh, there are no seats in the main, uh, in the main stage set up. Um, and we have to deal with union staff. The union staff is doing other things and the project management was not great to say the least. So uh, actually a bunch of Bitcoin magazine staff and conference staff actually hustled and set up close to 3000 seats uh, from you know three to, to three, sorry, from eight o'clock to midnight uh, the night before. So, you know, the people writing articles were setting up seats just to make sure that this show happens. And for anyone, you know, I think there's a lot of people getting excited and getting into the event space uh, after seeing the excess of Bitcoin 21 and 22. Uh, and, you know, just know it's it's not for the the faint of heart. You know, you're going to have to roll up your sleeves and do whatever it takes to, to get the job done when, like I said, it doesn't exist, doesn't exist. And then it <laughs> exists in a very, very real way all at once. Yeah, and mate, I, I, organizing that amount of people as well. This was the first time that you were at that event space too, right? So that there was no kind of uh, past year's experience, whole new team to deal with. How many volunteers did you have? I, you know, to be honest, I don't know all the all the little details. I leading into that event, mostly handling things on the Bitcoin Magazine side. Uh, moving forward, you know, I'm going to be very involved with every aspect of uh, of our products, um, including the event. But uh, I'm I'm not as abreast with like all the details. I would say hundreds of volunteers, hundreds of uh, just outside staff, security, union workers, event workers, that kind of thing. And then our team is you know about 100 people, so 100 people that are like core BTC Inc. staff. So. Um, you know, probably looking at, you know, in the thousands, like, you know, low, like a thousand something people that are needed to put on this event to cater to 25,000 people at the conference. Um, but uh, it's quite the, the uptake and, you know, the reliance on scaling out with, you know, vendors uh, is very, very strong with every kind of event, right? Most event teams, you know, like, let's say an event requires a thousand people, that event team is 100 people, right? So, that means, you know, 90% are, are contracted staff that are doing a very specific role on the day of the event. And the rest of the time, they're not necessarily involved. So for us, you know, every single year, Bitcoin 2019, it was 1,800 people. Bitcoin uh, 2020 was supposed to be 4,000 people. Didn't happen, got canceled because of coronavirus. Bitcoin 2021 was uh, 12,000 people. And then this event was 25, 26,000 people. So every single year has been a bigger, more menacing task than the year before. Uh, and every single year, we've pretty much, you know, been underprepared to deliver on it. 
but have some way found a way to pull it off. So, you know, hopefully we can move forward and be ahead of the game. Um, obviously we don't know what market conditions are going to be like, uh, for the next few years, but, um, you know, our team has never been better, more experienced. We have done an incredible job at returning people. We have so many people who did Bitcoin 2019, Bitcoin 2021 and Bitcoin 2022. Um, and you know, it's almost like pledging you got, when you go through the conference once, it's like that, that is like a, a badge of honor and it helps you get through the next time. Cause you just kind of know what to expect. Uh, you know, what people are going to want, uh, and you know you you know how to react. So uh, the fact that we're returning so many people and so many of them are Bitcoiners is, uh, you know, I think we have the best team in the business by far. All right, reflections. I want to ask you about that closing day when everybody has finally just left. Are you guys all just like sitting around the volcano bar? Like that was a fucking hell of a three days. Like where did that where did that time go? What, what went down? Oh, yeah. So, you know, the crazy thing for us is that, like, when the event ends, that means we have two more weeks of extremely hard work to actually close the event. So, um, really, uh, day of, you know, when, uh, when things kind of closed out for uh, the way that we had it was industry day, GA day one and two, and then we had Sound Money Fest. So, at the end of GA day two, it was like a big exhale. And honestly, the big exhale really comes kind of like around midday of, of, of GA day two, because that's when like most of the things that could have gone disastrously wrong have passed. And there's much fewer things that can go disastrously wrong. So um, by that point, you're feeling good. And by the time the day is ending, you're drinking, you're cracking beers, you're hugging it out. You know, you're trying to get photos with the team. Uh, so the vibes are definitely high when you, it, you internalize that, damn, we actually did pull this off once again. Um, so it's always an amazing feeling. Um, that night, you know, we have, you know, everyone kind of like does their thing and get dinner, but there's like, you know, several groups of like 15, 20 employees who are kind of getting together, getting drinks, getting some dinner. Maybe some of them were going to after parties, but a lot of people were just kind of chilling. Uh, and then the next morning, you know, we have core staff that, you know, running the store, running different things at the comp at the conference, but it was awesome the way we had it set up because sound money fest was kind of an opportunity for the whole staff to party and exhale and have a good time. So that was a lot of fun this year. And, uh, I don't know if it's going to be formatted the exact same way moving forward, but this year it was definitely super fun. We kind of had VIP access as well. So it was really cool to be able to get back, you know, into the VIP area and watch the music and have drinks and hang out with other Bitcoiners there. Um, so it was a ton of fun, but the crazy thing is, you know, once it's over on Monday, I'm on Slack pounding on the drum, like, Hey, we got to close. We got pre-sale tickets to go. We got all this stuff. So it's really, and no one is allowed to like, literally it's a rule. No one is allowed to take vacation the two weeks after the conference. Like it's the job is not done. Taking vacation within that two week period is like taking vacation during the event, you know? So it's unacceptable. So like people are like, they're like, Oh my God, I'm exhausted. I just got home from traveling. Like I just went through this whole thing. And then like, you know, management is yelling at them. Like we got to keep going hard. We've got to keep going hard. So um, by the end of the two weeks, I think in our pre-sale, we've, we've sold thousands of pre-sale tickets to Bitcoin 23. You know, if you were to compare it to other events, it's already bigger than several other events that are happening uh, still this year. Uh, there was days where we we're selling hundreds of tickets in a day, you know, so it's kind of a, insane to think that like, and I know like what the flow looks like for these big events. So if we're selling hundreds of tickets a day for Bitcoin 23, 
at the same time when something like consensus is like a month and a half away or something like permissionless is like two weeks away. I'm like, wow, we could be outselling them right now. Like, <laughs> which is, is, is insane to think that a 23, a, an event in 23 is outselling events that are this year um, in, in imminent, if you will. So um, the hard work paid off, you know, obviously knowing that we need to go hard two weeks after the event that comes from experience um, and yeah, it's at this point, you know, we're really excited to start, you know, announcing information about what's to come in the future. Shill it, baby. Shill it. I mean, how much are tickets right so now? I, yeah, no. So, uh, we already sold out. We have like, we kind of did a, uh, a festival strategy in terms of like a pre-sale ticket. So we had bucket a and then bucket B. So bucket a is completely sold out. Uh, I think that we're at $350 GA tickets and then, uh, you know, I'm just going to check the website. I actually don't know it off the top of my head. Um, but I mean, y'all, if you want to get, if you want to get uh, GA tickets to, uh, to Bitcoin conference, there's no better time. If you want to get um, whale tickets, there's no better time. So actually whale tickets are $5,499 for the whale ticket and then $350 for GA tickets. So you know, that's much, much cheaper than, uh, than getting these tickets, especially the whale pass, um, when we actually have announced details. So, uh, once the details drop, the, the pre-sale is over and those tickets are going up in value. And then every single month leading up to the conference, we're, we're increasing prices. So it's always best to get tickets early. No, it's going to be, you know, somewhere, uh, somewhere in the U S next year and, uh, just go to the event. You buy those tickets now. Uh, make sure you're there. It's definitely not an event to miss. I mean, Daniel, you can kind of talk about your experience. I would love to hear about what you uh, did in Miami this year, uh, but the tickets are worth it, especially if you get them in pre-sale. We've been calling it the low time preference pass. So have some low time preference. No, you're going to be there anyways. Buy this ticket now and uh, see, you in my, see you next year. I almost dropped uh, where it's going to be, but see you next year. Yeah. <laughs> We'd have had to cut that. Uh, the... The thing I think most people would like to know is why it's structured that way. Why do you um, up the price of the tickets each month? If you wouldn't mind explaining, uh, you know, how the business is set up, you guys have to run a business at the end of the day. You can't wait to the last couple of weeks to, to you know, have something yeah, on the 100%. balance sheet. So, yeah. Could, could you just explain that to, to the plebs? No, totally. The, the reality is, is that, for this is like a general rule of thumb for events, 50% of your ticket sales happen in the last 30 days. So that being said, like people procrastinate massively. So every event in the world is, unless they're going to sell it immediately, like some concerts or festivals do, they're fighting the struggle of the fact that everyone procrastinates and procrastinating is not good for paying the bills leading up to the event. So we have to heavily, heavily incentivize people to get skin in the game now, buy their tickets now, you know, help us, you know, have, you know, be able to project into the future, help us have cash flow to manage, you know, expenses that have to go out prior to the event happening. Because if 90% of our ticket sales happen in the, the last 30 days, how can we plan? You know, how, how do we know how big this event is going to be? How do we know, you know, how much, uh, how much space we need to rent out and stuff like that? So we need this information ongoing. And again, 
That's why we incentivize people to buy the presale tickets now. You know, get skin in the game before we're giving you any details. That's how you get the best price. As we're as more information comes together, as more um, details get released, as more speakers get confirmed, as the event becomes more and more valuable, so does the tickets. And again, we're we're fighting against that trend of everyone is a huge, huge procrastinator. And you know, if you're listening to this, I know you are too, because that's statistically speaking, that's the fact. Fifty percent of people buy tickets at the end. And uh, the ticket flow at the end when the tickets are most expensive is so, so juicy. I'll tell you that. You, you love to watch it and, and you're happy that we put in all the hard work to make sure that people have to FOMO in at that point. Like that's where you kind of pay off all the hard work leading up to the event. I, I wonder, having, having experienced it, uh, I've experienced the FOMO before, obviously for uh, Bitcoin 21. I'd never experienced the come down. And I don't know what's worse. So yeah, Daniel, like, tell me, you went to the event. What was that experience like? And then what's what's the come down? Because, I mean, the energy is something that you can't explain unless you're there. That's for sure. Hundred <clears throat> percent, mate. Had a, had a great time. You know, if we got into the stories, we'd use the rest of our twenty five minutes. So we'll, we'll do that another time. Uh, the yeah, the FOMO leading up to it, uh, I didn't get my tickets until late, three weeks before, two weeks before, and that was out of kind of strange circumstances, and I had to make certain arrangements and, and whatever else, but uh, got it all together and pushed it through and got the tickets, and over we came. Um, yeah, man, the calm down. That starts the minute you get in the cab to leave your Airbnb or to leave that after party or whatever it is that you're doing. That journey back to the airport is just dreadful because you you first of all you're dreading the check-in process, then you're dreading the uh, the customs line, then you're dreading the security, then you like it's just it's an immediate impact on fuck. I just was around the most incredible people, having the most incredible conversations, just going from one to one to one to one, going from one great event to another great event uh, to surrounded by miserable strangers getting shaken down going through a metal detector like you know <laughs> and then for me at least it was an eight hour flight then a three hour layover then an hour and a half flight then a three hour drive uh yeah it was um it sucked hard but it was great to get back and see the family and of course that was uh, that was brilliant uh, and i was lucky enough that we were straight off to madeira uh just four or five days after i got home uh, to go and uh, catch up with Andre, who was um, who's doing great work down there, uh, helping the president understand Bitcoin. He was on stage at the Bitcoin conference, announcing Madeira's intention to uh, start, you know, being very very friendly towards Bitcoiners. Hopefully, there's going to be um, island-wide merchant adoption coming soon. Who knows? There, there's there's a lot of work being done there, so it was good to be part of that. Otherwise, I, I know I've spoken to other people that were just suffering for weeks after, like, you know, why can't life like be that be like that all the time? Uh, and looking forward uh, for hyper Bitcoinization when, you know, everyone around us is orange pill. Well, I, I apologize that you had to go through the withdrawals, but at the same time, that's such validation that we did a good job because all we're trying to do is get the right people together where they can have those conversations 
and meet those people and kind of look forward to what a Bitcoin future looks like and what living with Bitcoin people looks like and, you know, maybe what a Citadel is like, but it just, it makes me feel so good that, you know, we were able to create that experience now three times and, you know, we're going for lucky number four here at, with Bitcoin 23 and, you know, it's, it's going to be a lot of work, but it's going to be a lot of fun too. And, you know, the, the chance to do it all again uh, and, and take these lessons and do it bit bigger and better and, and more effectively uh, than ever before uh, is something that, you know, we look forward to every single year, seriously. What was your biggest takeaway? from the whole thing once you've had time so you finished the two-week push <laughs> afterwards i think you then you did take a vacation at some point right because we we were trying oh, yeah to, yeah so you did I, I go, took a two-week vacation good for you brother what, it, it took about it took me six weeks to take a vacation but i did it <laughs> <laughs> what well, is that when you kind of took time just to reflect and like ask yourself like how the hell did we pull that off um what what was going through your mind yeah, no. So, you know, I would say like, I'm, I'm just the most critical person of the product period. So uh, me and several other people on the team, you know, we're just hyper critical and, and just hyper and just trying to, you know, we pretty much ignore all the things that went right, because that's what's supposed to happen and just focusing in on all the things that went wrong. So, um, you know, just making a lot of changes, making a lot of adjustments, a lot of things have to do with resourcing and teams and teammates. So, We've been recruiting like crazy. I don't know if you've seen my post on Twitter, but recruiting very heavily for many different roles at Bitcoin Magazine, especially on the conference side, um, and just trying to get reorganized. So we've been extremely, extremely busy. It's been, honestly, I, I, I didn't even get a chance to get a break or a breath until that vacation. And thank God for the vacation. I completely unplugged for the most part and got to chill. But um, I mean, for me, every single time this event happens, I'm wowed by how much further Bitcoin has come in just one year, every single time. So, I mean, just looking at the scale of the event, I'd like to think it's because of how well we're doing and how we're get getting better. And I think some of it has to do with that. But honestly, I think most of it has to do with the fact that Bitcoin's economy is getting bigger. Bitcoin's economy is getting better. Bitcoin's economy just continues to grow and scale. And it's honestly incredible to just see you know, the Bitcoin conference on the same playing field as South by Southwest, Money 2020, some of these massive, massive industry events. So um, our goal is to continue to build this pilgrimage out and uh, we could not have a better community aligned with Bitcoin and a better thing to represent. Um, and for us, you know, that's why we do it. You know, David is so passionate about freedom, our CEO, he's so passionate about freedom and uh, and bringing Bitcoiners together to celebrate that freedom and making a mark and making a statement. Um, so, you know, this is what drives them every single day. And what do you say to the guys that um, might've pointed out one or two times too many, perhaps uh, there was too much shit coinery there and, you know, kind of the negative feedback that you took, H how do you address that? Like personally or publicly, yeah. like what's, Oh no. So like, you know, Bitcoiners have very, very high standards. Um, so, uh, and I, I would say to Bitcoiners never change, never have lower standards. Like that's what makes Bitcoiners special. Um, and I think that we can always do a better job. And I think there's very two distinct, um, there's very two distinct ways that people experience the event. There's people who experience it in person and then there's people who experience it virtually. And I think that, 
you know, 95%, 99% of the people who experienced it in person had an incredible time, thought it was incredibly well done, knew it was incredibly Bitcoin focused. Um, I think the people who experienced it virtually, especially some people on industry day, um, you know, got a, a different experience, honestly. And I think those are bad. Like uh, there's some pretty big misses there. Uh, we didn't think of the virtual component the same way that we thought about the in-person component. And that's a lesson learned and a lesson that we're going to be, ta be taking forward. But everything that our company does is trying to be on the cutting edge of what a business can do in the Bitcoin space. So dropping all of our shit coining in 2018, uh, moving to Bitcoin only, pushing forward the Bitcoin only uh, conference, making Bitcoin magazine, Bitcoin only and not covering anything else. Um, and then just trying to push the needle on what that means and how well we can do that. So uh, we're going to keep doing that too. So, uh, you know, we appreciate the Bitcoiners. Uh, we're always trying to get better. And again, the harshest critics are, critics are ourselves. So uh, trust me, if you're mad, there are people, Bitcoiners on our team internally who are, you know, equally as critical, if not more. So just know that. All right, cool. It, there's got to be, again, there's, there's a business decision to be made here as well, right? If you want to put on these events, um, I am sure uh, the, the people that are buying booths in these general admission, um, sorry, on the, uh, the industry day and having a booth there, that's well-needed money. Uh, how hard do you vet the companies that are doing that? And I guess as well. Yeah, so I can talk about, I can actually talk about how, how we make these decisions. Uh, it's very clear. We have actually a, a very clear way that we're, we're managing this. So in terms of who can sponsor, who can participate, you must leverage the Bitcoin blockchain in some way. That is the rule. So if you touch the Bitcoin blockchain in some way, you're allowed to participate. In terms of speaking, you are forbidden from speaking if you have created a competitor to Bitcoin. And we vet and explain to all the speakers very, very thoroughly how this is a Bitcoin conference and is focused on Bitcoin. With that being said, I think that we can do much better from a programming perspective uh, to allow people to be authentically themselves in a way where they can authentically talk about Bitcoin as well. And we are learning and trying to improve that as well. It's not an easy task, but those are our, our guidelines. So it, you know, we're not, we, we, we want to make it very clear. We love Bitcoin Maximus. A lot of our employees are Bitcoin Maximus, but the event itself is a Bitcoin only event. It's not a Bitcoin Maximus event per se. So um, we're here to talk about Bitcoin. We're trying to create a big tent event for people to come in and talk about Bitcoin, for Robinhood to say Bitcoin is our number one asset. So that's not a Bitcoin only company, but we created a profile for uh, a platform for them to do that. BitPay, one of the anti-Bitcoin, anti-Lightning companies through these last three years of working with BitPay, now they announced Lightning integration and are supporting Lightning and supporting open source and supporting BTC, right? So hey, you might still not like BitPay, but they're at least aligned with BTC more now, right? So that is what this kind of event can do. And ultimately, you know, we have to transform shitcoiners into Bitcoiners. So that's what Bitcoin conference is about. So uh, we're getting better. We're going to always be better. There's a lot of amazing Bitcoin maximalist events out there. <laughs> Believe me, we support all of them, either, either via press or via actual financially. We support all of them. So um, and we're, we're rolling out a really awesome meetup strategy, too. So we're going to be supporting meetups and communities as Bitcoin magazine. So trust me, like 
We're here for Bitcoin only. We're here for all the Bitcoiners out there. We love the Bitcoin maximalists. You know, we, we publish and, and create tons of Bitcoin maximalist content on Bitcoin Magazine. And uh, the, this Bitcoin conference is needed. Like we need to have an opportunity for everyone to be like, what is Bitcoin about? And for them to interact with Bitcoiners. That's what, the, that's what it's all about. Yeah, I, and I certainly um, have seen an uptake in Twitter profiles going Bitcoin only, like new plebs out of nowhere. It's it's been crazy uh, ever since the um, the conference. So that is going a long way for sure. Uh, and I even carried on conversations with people that I'd met there that weren't completely down the Bitcoin rabbit hole, but were there to check it out, and uh, we've stayed in touch. So it's working, for, you know, hundred percent. Last couple of topics, man. I know I'm watching the clock here. Uh, you wanted to talk about the market currently and uh, why why Bitcoiners need to be careful. So what's what's the thoughts? No, totally. Well, I, I want to combine two ideas. One, I don't think Bitcoiners are bullish enough, especially in the, like the next decade type of a scenario. And what that is causing them to do is they are actually taking more risk than they need to be. And they're not actually thinking about how do they make themselves more anti-fragile as people and as families and as independent economic actors. And they're taking way too much risk on Bitcoin that could potentially put them in a situation to have less sats when hyper-Bitcoinization happens. So I know that's like uh, talking very generally here, but ultimately I think that you don't need as much Bitcoin as people claim you need because Bitcoin is that effing bullish. And Bitcoiners really, really, really need to focus on how do I get to 2030 in one piece, right? So that requires more than just sacking sats. That requires a lot more. That requires, you know, a, a plan to, a, to pass down Bitcoin to people in your family if you pass away. That requires maybe making your family more mobile if your jurisdiction goes bad. That requires acquiring, learning other skills that potentially could require you acquiring other assets that aren't Bitcoin that are going to need to bridge you over to 2030, right? <laughs> because we know that Bitcoin isn't there yet. I love Bitcoin. Like I love Bitcoin. It's not like Bitcoin alone isn't going to get you to hyper Bitcoinization in one piece. So like, I, I, I believe this to the deepest of my, my heart, honestly, is that if you are a Bitcoiner right now, you already have enough bit and you've been stacking stats like a madman. You already have enough stats to be wildly wealthy in a Bitcoin future. You already there. You congratulations. You've done it. Time to focus on how do I get those stats to 2030 and how do I get me and my family to 2030? Because if you're leveraged long, if you're all in, like you might not actually be in the best position to survive to hyper Bitcoinization because I think things are going to get fucking wacky. Like, I think they already are and they're probably going to get worse. So like, are you actually like threat modeling this situation out appropriately? And is your focus on stacking sats the way you are actually like even logical given Bitcoin's actual trajectory? Because if you have one Bitcoin, like you're, you're good. If you have multiple Bitcoin, you're super, super good. You just got to make it now right? You got to make it. So, I mean, I, I think that that drum has to be beat. I think people need to understand the situation. I guess I'm curious to get your take on that. Yes, I, I agree exactly uh, with, with everything you're saying and constantly uh, being vigilant about what's going on in the jurisdiction in which we live. 
is this the best place? We are mobile, thankfully. Uh, you know, we, we, we choose to rent for that reason. We, we've not uh, tied down to a specific location for any, for any reason. Uh, we're in a position where our kids are homeschooled. So the, even they are um, location independent. My oldest uh, doesn't fall into that category. So we've probably got nine months to a year of her finishing um, what she wants to finish. And then she's good to go. She wants to go travel or, or work a year somewhere. I'll find her a job in a Bitcoin company and hopefully she'll never go back to academia. Uh, then, um, then she'll be set. But it's like, uh, yeah, how do we... Um, the, the, the one thing for me, CK, is this idea of um, a 6102. Uh, we talk about it a lot in the Bitcoin space, but uh, we know the US citizens and, uh, well, citizens of the world have had their gold stolen from them in the past. They've had their property stolen from them by virtue of, uh, you know, a, a, a mortgage, which is just a way for the banks to end up owning all property rather than the people. So the people do not have in their hands any gold and very, nobody has property because even then the state still owns a property because you've got to pay the state taxes and whatever else. But 90% are owned by oh, banks. Totally. So if you own Bitcoin, that is yours. But if they figure that out and they want to stack at a central bank level, a nation state level, the quickest and easiest way for them to stack is to steal their citizens. And that's a worry. Yep. No, totally. Again, like I would say is, you know, maybe you have a massive KYC stack. Maybe you don't even respect how big your KYC stack is. It's probably big enough. Maybe you should be focusing all of your energy now on a, on a non-KYC stack and you, maybe you should just discount your KYC stack to zero, right? Like, have you gone through that mental exercise of discounting your, your KYC stack to zero and then created and accumulated enough non-KYC Bitcoin where you're like, okay, well, if I have to give up all my, my KYC Bitcoin for my freedom, which is worth it, is this enough for me to be content with how much sets I have? You know, have people gone through that equation and then have they set themselves up technically uh, and in terms of a, ne uh, a network of trust uh, in order to make sure that non-KYC Bitcoin, you know, again, survives the, the journey to hyper-Bitcoinization. Because like, again, when you get to hyper-Bitcoinization, you don't need that many sats. Like you already have enough. If, you, if you're stacking today, you 100% already have enough. Hundreds of dollars are buying you millions of dollars worth of sats in the future. Right. So given that equation, like, are you doing what it takes to get across the finish line? Some of that is, again, like non-Bitcoin things. Some of that is Bitcoin things, cold storage, non-KYC stats, mixing, whatever, whatever. So um, I personally like to have multiple different groupings of my stats uh, and treating them very differently, and discounting them differently in my head. So, uh, you know, all of this is things that you Bitcoiners need to think about. And it's not just about stacking as many sats as possible because the goal is getting across the finish line with as many sats as possible. You just stacking isn't enough, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I have, I have gone down these dark holes. This is how you lose sleep thinking about these attack vectors. Uh, you know, the, uh, the $5 wrench I mean, attack. You don't lose sleep. Thing. If you actually work on it, if you're prepared, you lose way less sleep. <laughs> What I'm what I'm bullish on, as you as you 
are yourself i'm bullish on bitcoiners figuring out uh that there's also there's already so many great people out there building things like uh the girls over at uh, plan b katie and uh and jess doing great work where you can acquire yourself a different passport get yourself out of a certain jurisdiction uh obviously unchained and casa are doing the multi-sig thing there will be more there will be more more coming down the line uh, and if anybody's listening to this and has got an idea just go fucking build it it's needed it's needed big time or write that blog post or whatever it is you know just carry this this conversation further forward uh all right mate we got six minutes so i'm gonna hit you with the final question and then we'll see uh how far we can run it if you had one orange pill left to give to somebody who would you give it to and why I wish I had a good answer for this. Um, I feel like the all the most important people are getting orange pilled. Like the world is kind of just doing it for us. I mean, may, maybe the Pope, maybe maybe whoever's in charge of uh, or whoever is like the most impactful member of one of the largest religions. I don't even know. I don't even know like what their names are, but someone who has that kind of level of influence over maybe a not English oriented uh, culture, uh, I'd probably try to give them that kind of an orange pill. Uh, Alan Farrington's done some amazing work on why uh, Bitcoin is halal and aligns with like Islamic um, banking practices, uh, which are some of the most strict <laughs> banking practices in the world. Uh, so maybe something along that, like, you know, let's, let's, let's orange pill the Middle East um, I feel like Asia is pretty orange pilled. You know, I think that the English speaking world is very sufficiently orange pilled. I think, you know, the, the, the Latin, uh, South American global South is, is getting very sufficiently orange pilled. So I know that some places in the Middle East are ahead of the pack. Some places are very behind the pack. Uh, I'm, I'm very confident about what is happening in Africa. I, you know, I think what's happening in Zimbabwe is incredible. Uh, and, you know, I, uh, or sorry, not in Zimbabwe, what's happening in Nigeria is incredible. Uh, obviously, the Central African Republic, you know, we're seeing fireworks out of there, obviously, one of the poorest and least developed countries in the world. So going to be very interesting to see how Bitcoin makes an impact. But yeah, I'm just, you know, how, how do we get Bitcoin? How do we make Bitcoin even more viral? I feel like we we actually tie it to real religions. So, you know, maybe some religious figures that that kind of adopt Bitcoin. Again, I think the Arab speaking world could definitely benefit. Um, so I hope that was an OK answer, but I, I wish I had some better names. But in general, hey, the, the, the fiat system is the biggest endorsement for Bitcoin. So the world is being orange pilled every single day. We don't have to do anything. Just the failure of fiat is continuing to advocate for Bitcoin for us. 100%, mate. And there's no wrong answer. So, so no worries. It's been uh, it's been awesome to uh, to do this quick hour with you, buddy. Uh, is there anything that you want to um, share at the end of the show? How can people reach you? What should they be paying attention to? Yeah, I know. So uh, first and foremost, BitcoinMagazine.com. That is my pride and joy. Uh, it is what we work so hard to bring every single day. Um, we're trying to bring the most alpha on the space. 
We're trying to cover Bitcoin only. We're trying to cover the news. We're trying to be a platform for the plebs. If you want to contribute to Bitcoin Magazine, if you want to write about Bitcoin, you have something thoughtful and insightful to say, hit us up. Editor at BitcoinMagazine.com is the best email for everything there. Um, of course, we got to talk about Bitcoin 23. Pre-sale tickets are on sale right now. B.TC forward slash conference is the best place to get those tickets. Uh, and ticket prices are only going up. Announcements coming up shortly in a few weeks on future events. And I think all the plebs across the globe are going to be really, really excited with what we have to announce there. Uh, and yeah, I'm on Twitter at C, uh, CK underscore snarks. So give me a follow there if you like what we're saying. And uh, yeah, that's all I got. Daniel, thank you so much for having me. Appreciate you. All right, man. Great to see you. And uh, yeah, look forward to catching up again soon. All right. Cheers. See ya. All right, plebs. What are you waiting for? Are you revved up? CK bought the heat, as always. Uh, yeah, if you've got anything that you want to write about Bitcoin, whether it's just your own personal journey, don't don't stop yourself writing about it. It doesn't even have to ever be published. But if you get to the end of that and you, you feel as though it's worth somebody else reading it these are you guys they're gonna help you and, and this is all about just spreading this this word of bitcoin and um you can feel the energy from cj I'm, I'm sure anybody that was listening to this is now even more bullish and probably got some extra things to think about especially why you're not bullish enough on bitcoin and what he was talking about there towards the end about um discounting your kyc stack to zero and perhaps the next couple of years just concentrating fully on non-kyc he's got me thinking he's got me thinking a lot and i have huge respect for ck he's been in the space for many years he's doing some great work so thanks for coming on brother really appreciate it <clears throat> and good luck with 2023 i'm looking forward to this announcement uh guys make sure you're stacking if you're not stacking <laughs> what are you doing if you're new to the show if you're new to bitcoin Take it easy, take it slow. You've got time. You can use the DCA, that's dollar cost average services or pound cost average, fiat cost average, whatever it is. And that just means buy a little bit of Bitcoin each week. Don't go crazy. You can use services in the US such as swanbitcoin.com. Across Europe, you can use relay.ch or bitcoinreserve.com or coincorner.com. We are well covered now, especially in Europe. If you want to learn more about Bitcoin, make sure you get to some conferences. There's bitcoinday.io in the US. You can use the link in the show notes to find out exactly where they're going to be and get yourself a discount. There's Liberty in Our Lifetime coming up, end of October, 21, 23 of October in Prague, talking about parallel systems. We have Consensus Network doing great job of translating as many different Bitcoin books or Bitcoin related books into as many languages as possible. Make sure you check out that link in the show notes. Go find that language you need for your friends or family. Ungovernable Misfits, hit that link. Go get yourself some merch. This is Max at Bit by Bit Pod doing his bit to get some merch out there. Shiftcrypto.com.ch forward slash bits and have you covered for your hardware wallet? Please self custody your Bitcoin and stack safe. Catch you on the next show, guys. Thanks for listening.